I was telling Brother Zelke about this book that they compiled. Um, it's one of the last things that Brother Eli Hernandez did before he passed away was he was t- teaching this youth group about uh, maintaining divine operations, maintaining the ability to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. And it's a, it's a short little book, and it's, it's just a wonderful book. I'm not all the way through it yet. But he was talking about the power of humility and meekness and being lowly in mind and how we're all guilty of like at some point or another of thinking, you know, I'm all that and I can do this. And, and the scripture says that we can do nothing without Jesus, absolutely nothing. And he said even T.W. Barnes, whenever he, he had a tent revival set up and he had this sign made and it said, T.W. Barnes revival. And he put this big sign up over the front of this tent and he stood back and he was so proud. And he was looking at it. And then God spoke to him and said, I hope it works out well for you. And he said, fellas, take that sign down right now. They took that sign down and they burned it because he can't do nothing without Jesus. But for a brief moment, for a brief moment, something creeped up on T.W. Barnes. And I can do nothing without Jesus. I can't do this. I can't walk. I can't talk. I can't breathe. I can't, I can't minister. I can't do anything and uh, I have prayed, and this has just come into focus today, and I don't, I don't take anything lightly, but, some, you know, sometimes the Lord just does that with me. He just, like, it's like last-minute thing, even though I've prayed, and I've felt after God, and I'm reading, I'm doing everything that I know to do, and I'm expecting him to tell me, and sometimes he don't tell me until, like, the last minute, I've had him like pull things together while I was over there getting ready to come up. I think some of you know what I'm talking about. That's just, but the just walk by faith, not by sight. We just believe he's going to show up because he said he would, that he'd be with us and he would help us and he's just going to do it. Praise God. And I apologize to the media team. It's because it's been a while since, I've uh, been a little while since I did this and I completely forgot Darren Venus's rule of making sure that they got your scriptures and stuff like a day before, and like all, which I didn't even have all of them a day before. I couldn't even have done it. And so they don't have nothing. So we're just, they're going to try to catch up. And I, I apologize to Sister Venus. Praise God. Hallelujah. We're going to start out with this opening scripture here. And the Lord's going to help us. Praise God. In Jesus' name. Matthew 5 and verse 6. It says, Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I can remember whenever I was a new convert and knew next to nothing. I'd never been to any kind of church before in my life. I mean, I just, just baptized, just filled with the Holy Ghost and just trying to read my Bible and pray and grow in God. And I remember this verse of Scripture meant so much to me because I realized it was a promise. That he said that if I would hunger and thirst after righteousness, that he would fill me that he would meet me there, that he would help me, that he would teach me. Praise God. And that hungering and thirsting, that's very powerful if you really think about that. We don't know much about, I'm sure there's some folks that are older and have had some lean times in life, they know what it's like to be hungry because you've got no choice but to be hungry. If my dad was here, he could attest to that. He had some lean times, you know, whenever he was a child and the family just didn't have no money and things was bad. But... I was thinking of, um, I remember a story, you know, these survival shows are like, they're probably still real big. I don't know if they still are or not. I don't pay too much attention to anything. 
But there was this one survival guy, I remember him talking, this was a legit guy, like raised in the wilderness of Canada. He wasn't some Hollywood pretty boy that's supposed to know how to do stuff or whatever. Like this guy actually knew how to do stuff. He knows how to build things and start fires and find food and catch food and like what plants you can eat and all this kind of stuff. And somebody asked him one time, he said, what's the best thing that you've ever ate in your life? And he says, well, he said, if you don't eat anything for seven days, whatever you eat will be the best thing you ever tasted in your life. And I can attest to that. My wife has witnessed it, praise God. A tin of sardines and mustard sauce, if you hadn't ate nothing in seven days, that is the great, that is manna from heaven. That is the greatest thing that I have ever eaten in my life. Sardines and mustard sauce. And I do like sardines, but man, if you haven't ate nothing in seven days, that, that, that sardines taste real good. Praise God. But so that gives new meaning. If you understand what it means to hunger and to thirst, if you will hunger and thirst after righteousness, you will be filled. If you'll want it, if you'll desire it, if you're willing to go after it, he said, I'll meet you there. I'll help you. I'll give it to you. Praise God. And that is a powerful promise. And sometimes some difficult things come with that. Sometimes he puts some things in your path and tells you some things that are hard to hear, that are difficult to experience. But if you got the right attitude and you're hungering and thirsting, you'll receive that. You'll receive that difficult thing and you'll let the Lord talk to you and you'll let him help you. I can remember, I remember Brother Zelke giving me something. The Lord gave me something through Brother Zelke. I was just, once I kind of discovered worship and, you know, and kind of started finding my groove and things and, you know, it was pretty, pretty boisterous in worship, you know, I was a lot thinner and I was younger and you know, really getting after it, which I still get after it, you know, which, which you all know. And uh, Brother Zelke came to me, because I'm like new convert. I don't know hardly nothing. He came to me and he said, Brother, he said, I perceive that you have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. <laughs> and I thought to myself, well, I better be getting some knowledge. I received that. He said, son, you need to learn some things. Like, well, I'll, I'm, I need to get to learning then. That was, that was fuel for the fire. That gave me direction. And I took it. And I ran with it. Started getting some books. Started being more serious about reading my Bible. Started, like, trying to learn things and praying over this stuff. I need to know. I need this knowledge that Brother Zelke was talking about. I can't just have this, this zeal without any knowledge, without any understanding. It gives new dimension to things when you understand when you have that knowledge, when you have depth, it brings a depth to your worship. It brings a depth to your prayers that you can't have any other way. It's really superficial without that depth of understanding. But praise God. He said he would meet us there and he would fill us if we would hunger and thirst after it. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm just going to read through some of these scriptures that the Lord gave me, and we'll just, we'll just see what the Lord will do with it. Because I don't have a whole lot of notes here, but I do have some scriptures. Praise God. Looking at the Great Commission, which we're all pretty familiar with these, these scriptures. In Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Jesus said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. He said, go, teach, baptize. Now we know the baptize in the name, singular, a name, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. We know that's Jesus, Father in creation, Son in redemption, Holy Ghost in the church. That's a whole other like lesson Bible study, and you could books have been written about it, and I could stand up here and talk and talk and talk and talk about that. But that is a wonderful, wonderful revelation to understand that he came. He didn't send somebody else. He came. Nobody else could do it. He was God manifest in flesh, reconciling the world unto himself. Thank God. Praise God. But he said, go and teach Praise God. And I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Back to that hunger, the hungering and thirsting. And he would be there. He would fill. Go. He'll be with you. Somebody's got to go. Somebody's got to teach. Somebody's got to baptize. Somebody's got to step out in faith, knowing and understanding that he is with me in this, and we're doing this together. Praise God. Acts 1 and 8, he says, But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea, and all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. We receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon us. He said he wouldn't leave us alone. He said, I'll come to you. He said, I've been with you, but I'll be in you. I will not leave you alone. I will come to you. Praise God. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. That power to be a witness. Praise God. Hallelujah. Again, he's with us. He's saying go. And he's with us. He's with us in the going. He's with us in the teaching. He's with us. Praise God. Mark 16, starting at verse 15. And I'll read down to verse 20. And it says, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel unto every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So then, the, so then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and they preached everywhere and the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Praise God. He said to go. He said, I'd be with you. I'm going to be with you in this. These signs are going to follow you. You're going to speak with new tongues. You're going to lay hands on people. I'm going to heal them. I'm going to protect you. He's talked about divine protection. Wherever you go, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to be with you. And he confirmed the word with signs following. Praise God. Hallelujah. T.W. Barnes, he said on a message I was listening to, he said, we don't follow signs. Signs follow us. And that's a fact. Praise God. I know the gifts of the Spirit were in operation last Sunday service in a very powerful and wonderful way. Signs following. 
Praise God. If we don't have signs following, we got a problem. Whatever adjustments we need to make, we need to make them. Because if we don't have signs following, we got nothing. We got nothing. If the Holy Ghost does not work among us and through us, we got nothing. We got to have it. Praise God. John 4 and 48 it says, And then Jesus said unto him, This is a nobleman who's come about healing for his son. And Jesus said unto him, Except you see a sign, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And I always kind of took this as a rebuke of some sort, you know, in the past when I read it. But then I heard, I can't remember what preacher it was that said it. It might have been Jack Cunningham. He said that this isn't actually a rebuke. He said this, he was just stating a fact. He was stating a fact. Except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Some people won't believe unless they see signs and wonders. That's why he confirms the word with signs following. So that way, no, there's something here. There's something here. There's something going on. This is beyond anything that a person can do. God has to be here. He has to be in it. Praise God. I remember God had spoke to me before I ever come to, come to church. That's how I ended up coming to church is because God spoke to me in a voice that I heard. And I remember whenever I came, you know, I, I come in, when I walked in on a Wednesday night, I, I stepped through those doors back there and I could feel the presence of God. I could feel it. It was like, I mean, I almost like I reached out and touched it. It was so thick. I could just feel the love of God. I'd never been to church before ever in my life. This is the first time I ever been in a church building. And I remember on a Sunday morning, I, I didn't have the Holy Ghost yet. I think this may have been like amongst like the first or second service that I'd been to. Butch Linton, on a Sunday morning, Sunday school, standing up here, and he's telling a story about how he's working at the bank, and his daughter had a brain tumor, and she was going in for surgery. And he was working in his office at the bank, and he just felt the burden of the Lord for his daughter. He knew she was going in for the surgery. And he got down, and he prayed. And he just interceded, and he believed God, and the power of God was so strong. And he said, when they went in, and they cut his daughter's op- cut her open, and he said, when they went in where that tumor was, the doctor said it's like somebody had got there before them and scooped it out. Praise God. And I sat right back there, not having the Holy Ghost, not knowing anything, and in like the wonderment like of a child, Brother Zelke, I was like, does God do this? And it was just like a little kid. You know, Jesus said, come like a little child. I was like, this is amazing. God does this? Signs and wonders. Confirming the word. I knew that, some, I knew that something was going on. This was like nothing I'd ever experienced before. I knew I was where I was supposed to be. Praise God. Signs confirming the word. Praise God. And to give a little, a little snapshot of what the church is supposed to be like in Acts 8. This is just such beautiful, beautiful scripture. Praise God. Hallelujah. Acts 8, starting at verse 5. It says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and he preached Christ unto them. He preached. He went, and he preached. Praise God. And the people with one accord gave heed unto the things that Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did, signs following, confirming the word. He went, he preached, God worked with him, 
confirming the word. God showed up. He was obedient. He went. God went with him. Praise God. Hallelujah. For unclean spirits cried with loud voices and came out of many that were possessed of them and many taken of palsies and they that were lame were healed and there was great joy in the city. Praise God. Let me back up here to like one. The people were in one accord and gave heed to the things that Philip spake. This works on hungry people. This message works on hungry people. That's something that we got to remember. That's something that I did not understand fully until, I mean, just in recent years, begin to really understand. Brother Stone King said, this message works on hungry people. It doesn't work on mockers and scoffers. It doesn't work on, it doesn't work on everybody because they don't want it to work on them. They're not hungry for it, but it works on hungry people. And you're going to encounter people that aren't hungry. And so you minister to them as best you can. You give them whatever word you can give them. You speak whatever faith you can speak into their lives. And then you just bump on down the road because you've done what you can do. And the Lord can keep working on them. And it could come around. It could come around. But it's in his hands. You've done what you can do. Some people will wear you out. Took me a long time to figure this out. There will be people that have no intention on living for God at all, ever. And they will burn up your time. They will burn up your energy. They will take everything from you. I've had it happen to me because I didn't understand. I should have just did what I could do and just cut them loose and just leave them in God's hands and continue to pray for them and be loving and kind to them whenever I seen them and just see what the Lord would do. Praise God. Some lessons are hard learned. Praise God. But there are hungry people out there. There are people that want this. Sister Leah, hungry, hungry. She wanted it. She was hungry. Now, she had a hard road and made a lot of mistakes. But then she come to a point where she was hungry for God, and he met her there. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. She hungered and thirsted, and God filled her. God met her there. Praise God. He met her right in the waters up there. She felt him before she, felt him before she ever even went up there. She was talking to me about feeling, feeling him, feeling him. Those were her words, what she was saying about feeling him. Praise God. Awesome. Awesome. Because he's real. He's real. Praise God. He's realer than this wood right here. That's how real he is. This is temporary. He's forever. He's eternal. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And there was great joy in the city. And when they believed Philip's preaching and the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believing also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding miracles and signs that were done. Praise God. Miracles and signs that were done. Praise God. Hallelujah. We were, uh, I'll read this scripture here. Luke 10 and 2, it says, Jesus speaking, he said, Therefore he said unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Praise God. Sister Irvin, at that leadership meeting had on Saturday, 
she boldly declared the absolute truth. The labors that he's talking about is us. There ain't no way around it. You can't dismiss it. You can't divorce yourself from it. The fact is, we are supposed to be laborers in the harvest. And that's it. And he said, go. Go preach. Go teach. And I will be with you. I will be with you until the end. I will confirm my word with signs following. That uh, brother from, I cannot remember his name now, the brother from Sandwich, talked about praying for boldness. How like the, over and over, the, the apostles and these early believers, they prayed for boldness. That's a big deal right there. We got everything that we need. When we got the Holy Ghost, we were equipped with everything that we need. And we got the Word of God. We got more accessibility to the Word of God than anybody in the history of humanity. It is so easy for us to get our hands on this. And we have the Holy Ghost. We have everything that we need. Praise God. Every, every gift of the Spirit, when you got the Holy Ghost, you received the potential to operate in every single gift of the Spirit. Every single one. It's there. If he wants to, if he wants to release it, if he wants to activate it, if we're willing to allow him to activate it. He said, desire spiritual gifts. Apostle Paul said, desire spiritual gifts. Follow after charity, follow after love, and desire spiritual gifts. And talked about, um, I can't remember the exact wording, about the best gifts, earnestly desiring the best gifts, something like that. I can't remember what it is. It's at the end of 12, about the best gifts. What's the best gift? Brother Stone King summed it up like this. The best gift is whatever God needs to use where you're at and whatever the circumstance is. Whatever needs to happen that God wants to do, that's the best gift. Whatever needs are present. Whatever needs to happen through the Spirit, that's the best gift. Desire these gifts. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of it. Praise God. Be humble. Be meek. Be lowly in mind. You know, like, don't make those mistakes what I talked about at the beginning about, you know, thinking you're all that in a bag of chips just because God, like, used you to do something because the only reason you were accessible and you were willing to let him do something with you and he decided to do something with you and he's the one that did it. You were just a willing vessel. You didn't do nothing on your own. You didn't do nothing. You can't do anything without him. Praise God. Hallelujah. There's another parable where Jesus talked about the labors in the harvest in like the, you know, the first hour and like the, the third, the fifth, uh, you know, however, I can't remember the exact numbers, and it ends up with the 11th. And I look at this, and I think, I think of that as like that's like describing the church age. That's kind of how I look at it, from the very beginning all the way to the very end. And we know that we're the 11th hour labors. You look around, it's obvious. We're at the end. We're the 11th hour laborers. We're the ones that need to go forth boldly into the harvest. We need to reach for people that are around us. We need to feel after God. We need to pray. We need to fast. We need to be able to be willing to teach people, willing to share this gospel message with people. And it's really pretty simple. Sometimes in our minds, we make it so difficult. We make it so hard. I mean, you could literally, you could open up your Bible and teach a Bible study out of Acts 1, part of Acts 1, and Acts 2, 
You got the whole thing right there. And you can make reference to some other scriptures to, you know, under, you know that, that we've all sinned to come short of the glory of God. That's why he needed to come to pay the price for sin. He was a lamb slain from the foundation of the world, a lamb that taketh away the sins of the world and get into, you know, power of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost fallen, Peter preaching, you know, preaching Jesus crucified and risen again, both Lord and Messiah. He was both God and the flesh and blood sacrifice that took away the sins of the world. I mean, you could just tell, you just, it's all right there. It's all so simple. Brother Stone King even broke it down even simpler than that. He's like, you could go up to somebody and like, do you want to be saved? And they say, well, yeah. Acts 2.38. There you go. I mean, if, there, if there's real hunger there, something will happen. God will get a hold of them. And if you get an opportunity to pray for somebody, signs following just believe God to do it. There's a need. He said, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I was like, I was thinking about this. I was telling my wife about this. There's this, he's talking about the great commission here. And then there's another scripture in the epistles where it basically reiterates the same thing about, you know, coming to the elders, they'll anoint you with oil and pray for you. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. So he's really covered everybody in those two verses of scripture. Believers in the church that got an illness, and this, like just praying for people that don't know anything. It's a part of the Great Commission. It's a sign following. I heard Brother Stone King tell a story about him and another fellow, a, a young guy that kind of travels with him once he had like his heart attack and like all that kind of stuff, and he needed somebody to kind of go with him. And they would go to this restaurant pretty frequently close to his home in New York, and this kind of like the maitre d' guy or whatever, the manager of the restaurant. They got to know him pretty well. And he had some sort of a physical something going on where he just he didn't feel well. He was having some pain or something. And he was telling Brother Stone King and this other fellow about it. And this guy's not a believer. He doesn't know anything. You know, he's just a guy that they know that works at this restaurant. Brother Stone King's like, let's pray. Just reached out and took hold of the guy's hand, and they prayed. He said, and then they come back the next time, and the guy like walked up to him and said, well, it worked. It worked. These signs shall follow them that believe. Just believe he's going to do it. Just believe he's going to do it and just do it. Praise God. Now, I know that's a, little, that's a little simple, you know, but it is that simple. But it's not always that easy. I mean, I can share... I'll share this with you because this is something that the Lord's working with me on. I do great in a service. I mean, I do great. The Lord has worked with me to the point to where I'm, I'm pretty sensitive and I can just, and I can just, I can just move. And I just, kinda, I just know where he wants me to go and, like, and things are clicking. Now, that didn't come easy either, really. It didn't. A lot of years and a lot of heartache and suffering and mistakes and, you know, and not understanding things and... You know, and it just, it took a while. It took a while to get here. But, and, and I'll do good if it's somebody that I know. If they're not in church and I know them and they got a need, I'll boldly, like, you know, I feel like the Lord would have us to pray. Let me pray for you. Like, right, I've done that many times. But where I struggle is whenever he's moving me to do something to somebody that's not in a church service and I have no idea who they are. It's not like I'm going to a hospital or anything. I'm just like at a gas station, I'm at the store, and I kind of start to feel something. And the Lord's working with me on this, and I've, I've missed it a couple times. 
And I've had to ask God to forgive me because who knows what he could have done with that. But I just, I just didn't quite get it. I, kinda, I kind of explain it like it's like seeing somebody out of context. You know, it's like if you don't really like know, know somebody like really well, but you know them from like, you know, work or whatever. They work in a different department or something and you say hi to them every once in a while. And then you run into them someplace else and you're kind of like, I know that I know them, but I'm not sure where I know them from. It's almost like that. Because I'm out of the context of a service, out of the context of a move of God. I don't know them. I don't know anything about them. There's no connection. And it's just this absolute stranger. So the Lord's still working on me. I have not arrived. You have not arrived. He's still working on us. We're a work in progress. Praise God. 1 Corinthians 3 and 9. It says, we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are his building. We labor together. And we are his husbandry. We are this thing that he's working with, that he's building, that he's growing, that he's helping. He's helping us to advance. He's helping us to mature. He's helping us to learn. He's working with me on this, what I just told you about. He's working with me there. He's working with me on other things. He's still working with you. Praise God. He's growing you. He's growing us. He's working with us. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, it says, For by grace you are saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship, and we are to walk in his works. Praise God. Him with us. Us with him. Walking together. Like the prophet Amos when he said, how can two walk together lest they agree? We come into agreement. Lord, I'm going to believe you. We're walking in the steps of Abraham. This all, it, all, so it always goes back to Abraham. We're walking in the steps of Abraham. When he says, come to a place that I will show you. Leave all this behind and come to a place that I will show you. And Abraham wasn't perfect. He made some mistakes. But he kept on walking. And when he got out of alignment with where God wanted him to be, when he went down to Egypt, and he lied, you know, about who his wife was and all this stuff and created all kinds of a mess. Well, then, then he started walking back towards where God wanted him to be. We're the same way. We get out of alignment. We got to turn around. Lord, forgive me. We got to start walking back in the direction that he wants us to go. It's a process. He's working with us. We are the laborers in the 11th hour. We need to be bold. We need to hunger and thirst after righteousness. We need to talk to the Lord about these things. Awaken these things. If you don't have a burden for the lost, pray. Ask him to give it to you. You... He that winneth the soul is wise. You don't feel like you got the wisdom to win a soul? Scripture says pray for wisdom, ask it in faith, and he'll give it to you. He'll meet you there. He'll give it to you. He'll help you. You're bound to make some mistakes. I, mean, I, can, I know I've made mistakes, and I'm, there's enough people here with enough experience. Like, there's some gray heads out there. You've all made mistakes, too, and you've learned from them. You know, you try to minister to this person, you didn't quite do it right. You didn't quite phrase things right. You approached it wrong. You said the wrong thing. It happens. You learn. You learn. Praise God. Hallelujah.
One more scripture, and we're done. Praise God. Matthew 7 and 7, I'll read down through verse 11. It says, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and he that knocketh it shall be opened unto him. Or what man is there of you, if his son asks bread, will give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will give him a serpent? If then ye, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good, good things to them that ask him? Praise God. We've got to ask. We've got to seek. We've got to knock. We've got to hunger. We've got to thirst. We've got to stand on the word of God. It's forever settled. Praise God. He'll meet us there. He's working with us. He's growing. I've said this before. He's not going to do it without us. He's not going to do it without us. But he will do it with us. That's why he gave us the Holy Ghost. That's why he gave us his word. And so we could go forward in faith and he could work with us. It's just a wonderful thing because it's a journey. You really, it's like that's your life's journey, walking with Jesus, learning, growing, moving forward in faith, listening for his voice, feeling after him, reading his word, reaching for people so that way he can touch them and help them, working with you, guiding you, growing you. It's that awesome Abrahamic journey. We are living it. We are living it. Every day. There's so many things that can distract us. And that's our big problem. There's a lot of things that can distract us. We get wrapped up in this. We get wrapped up in that. And we got too many options. That's another thing that uh, Jack Cunningham, he pointed out, is that on foreign soil, all, all kinds of miracles, all kinds of healings, all kinds of things happen. People have asked him, well, you know, it happens. why doesn't it happen so much over here? He said, because people got too many options over here. We got a hospital right down the road. You got doctors, you got medicine, you got all this stuff. He said, over there, they got nothing. There is no hospital. If somebody drops dead, you pray and believe God to raise them up. And if you don't do it, then they're just dead. If they're sick and they're dying, you pray the prayer of faith. God's going to heal them or they're going to die. Because there is no other options. That's the biggest battle that we face is because we got so many options. we got so many distractions. We need to keep our eye on the prize, press toward the mark, and be what God has called us to be. Praise God. I know I'm talking to like the, uh, almost like preaching to the choir here, the people that, that show up on Wednesdays. But you know that there's people that show up on 1030 that don't show up on Sunday morning and don't show up here tonight that they need more of God than what they got. And you know it because you got more than they do. So you can see it. They need more. They need people to work with them too, to try to work with them, befriend them, challenge them. You know, that's, that's something, one of the highest compliments my daughter ever paid to me not too long ago. She talked about how I challenge her and Ben. Now it's been that way I challenge them in spiritual things because I preach to them all the time. My wife can testify to it. It's, you, they, they, they hear so much preaching and so much teaching. It's just like, oh, it's all the time, all the time, all the time. But it's like, it's, you know, I've challenged them. 
And I didn't, I mean, I was just trying to be a good father, a godly, a spiritual leader. But that was so awesome. People need to be spiritually challenged. You know, push on them a little bit in a loving way. Preach the truth with love. Be apt to teach patient those that oppose themselves. Praise God. But we need to push on people a little bit. Don't let them, don't let them just languish and die right here among us. If we can push on them a little bit, get them closer to God, wake them up a little bit. And it's not always going to be well-received. Not always going to be well-received. That's another downside of this. But you've got to understand that you're doing the will of God. And you're doing what the Lord has asked you to do. If he's put something on your heart to say to somebody and they receive it, fantastic. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it whenever you go and you say something to somebody and it confirms something that God's already talked to them about. You see the joy in their face light up whenever they receive something that God, wanted, God put on your heart to speak to them and it, and it helped them. But then whenever it's rejected, that's tough. But you did what God told you to do and it's between them and him. And you never know. He could use that because you pushed on him. He pushed on him. And he might be able to use that to stir them at some point. And they could begin to hunger and thirst like they need to. And he could fill them. He could get them where he wants them to go. Praise God. Well, I'm going to stop there. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus.